So, Singapore Premier League has <clears throat> officially resumed. Well, it sort of resumed last week, but you know, Tanjong Kuga and Young Lions sort of played a match that was called off uh, due to um, inclement weather a few uh, months ago. So they, they sort of uh, played that game in hand, um, which you know resulted in a draw. But this weekend, you know, this past weekend rather, is when you know all the magic happened. Uh, you had really big games. Uh, you had Haugang versus Tanjung Paga. You had Lime City Sales and Obrex, arguably the biggest game of the season. And you had Geelong International uh, facing up against Valencia Corsa. So let me talk about the Sailors uh, Elberex game first, because that's the game that took place on Friday. So I'm going to approach this discussion chronologically. Um, long story short, you know, Sailors Elberex, they drew 1 1. But there was so much going into this match. You know, it was Coach uh, Kim Do Un's first game in charge, it was Haris Harun's first game back in Singapore Premier League. Um, and it was sort of like a title decider of sorts because you had first against second and only two points separate both of them. Oh, sorry, was it? I think it's a point that separates both of them. One point, yeah. One point, right? Yeah, so if either had won the tie, you know, that would have more... I wouldn't have sealed the title, but it would have definitely had a big... It would have definitely made a big impact with regards to developments in the title race or the, the whole... Uh, the contendership for the Singapore Premier League. Uh, it was an interesting game uh, from the get-go because, uh, at least from the Lion City Sailors perspective, I have to applaud uh, Coach Kim where, you know, I have to give him credit where credit is due. He went with an experimental lineup. you know, the starting players that former coach Aurelio Vitma and I guess interim coach uh, Robin Chitraker, both of them did not feel at all. I don't know whether they didn't dare to feel these players from the get-go or sort of give them a chance, but facts are facts. You know, these players weren't given the chance that uh, Coach Kim has sort of presented to them. He started Adam Twandi, he started uh, Akari Abdullah, and in a rare outing, he started Faris Ramli, who is, you know, who has really shined coming on as a sub, and who really, I mean, one of, was one of the better players for the Singapore national team during the World Cup qualifiers. But it was interesting to see him, you know, take those risks, you know, with players who haven't really started week in and week out. Um, that being said though, all things said and considered, Sailors looked really shaky in the first half. I think it they looked sort of disjointed in a sense, whereby there was a lack of chemistry. I think, in my honest opinion, I think there's a lack of chemistry. And that's primarily due to the fact that these players, you know, the bunch of players that he sort of fielded together, haven't really played regularly together in, in that formation and in that lineup. So I think there was uh, there was a lot of moments where, you know, there were mistimed passes, players looked kind of off or kind of confused. Um, and, you know, Akari Abdullah, it, it, things were going all right, you know. Hassan Sani was making uh, multiple saves, you know, he sort of came back. Jack, if you don't know about Hassan, right, he was once upon a time, once upon a time, man was ranked like top 20 uh, keepers in the whole of Asia. And, you know, this was like years ago, all right, man is 37, I think turning 38 next year, this year I'm not too sure. But he was pulling save after save, you know, it, if it wasn't for that penalty, I think he would have kept a clean sheet because he was on fire. You know, this was uh, Hassan reborn. Hassan Sani reborn, man. Like, 
never did I expect to see him pulling out. Like, he was really on point. You know, he was having cat-like reflexes. Nothing was going past him besides the penalty. And, you know, Akari Abdullah, who was given a rare start uh, by Coach Jim Dolan, he sort of, I mean, he was he was alright. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good to see Akari getting his chance, but I don't think he had the best of games. Um, he conceded a penalty which he shouldn't have conceded, you know. Uh, and Elbrex went up 1-0 just before the stroke of half-time. And I think the, the, the half-time pep talk sort of helped Sailors because they did play better. But it was the introduction of the million-dollar man, Diego Lopez, in the second half that really changed the game. Once Diego came in, you know, they, they, Sailors looked more stable. Sailors looked better going forward. And, you know, he was very instrumental in supplying that pass to Hafiz Snow, who you know, grilled in uh, uh, a cross, you know, a lower-driven cross for uh, Stipe Blasabad. So, so in that sense, uh, you know, Sailors were, were pretty, pretty good uh, in the second half, especially with Diego's uh, introduction. Okay, granted, granted, you know, they had a couple of players on suspension like Song Yeong, Shang Sulaiman, and uh, Saifullah Akbar. But even then, you know, like, I, I don't think you know, the players that sort of filled their positions, they aren't of subpar quality. You know, these are players that could easily slot into any other Singapore Premier League team. So, there are a lot of expectations for sailors in that regard. Uh, but, you know, at, the, at least from a sailor's standpoint, that's what sort of happened. From an Elbrecht standpoint, man, they're missing Kiyoshiro Subai up front. They don't have an out-and-out striker right now and it's, it's painfully obvious that they need someone like that because the way they play, you know, their crosses that they are drilling in, there's no one there to hit them in. There's no one there to sort of um, answer those crosses, you know, in, in some sort of positive fashion. So perhaps Sailors got lucky that they didn't, they didn't have Subai because there's something wrong with that Sailors defence. I think it's still somewhat wobbly. I think it's, it needs some time to sort of um, uh, get tuned to what Kim wants. But there, there has been, you know, some improvements in a sense. People, I think, I don't know whether Sailor's fans or the crew, uh, uh, just for information, Jack, uh, the crew is the official uh, fan club of the Sailors. So yeah, in case you're wondering, who the hell is the crew? All right. Nifty name. Nifty name, I probably right? would have figured it out, you know, the crew, sailors, the crew, boats, sail. you know, makes yeah, sense. It makes sense. But here's the thing, um, I think, I can't recall who, who mentioned this, but one of the commentators of the game, he was talking about, uh, you know, the fact that Albrecht and his sailors have the same number of clean sheets, you know, and people usually talk about, you know, sailors defense being weak in that sense. But I, I think there's so many nuances that are missing from that statement. You know, just because you have four clean sheets, which is the same number that Albrecht has, doesn't mean that your defense is as strong as Albrecht's. You know, the, the fact remains that many balls manage to. So let's just put it this way, all right? If it wasn't for Hassan Sunny, Sailors would have lost the game. And I think, and this is nothing to do with. Uh, Kim's tactics per se, I think it's really the quality of the defense that's available to the Sailors right now. Amiru Ali and George Felipe are both outstanding players, but I think, I don't know whether it's chemistry, I don't know whether it's, you know, the fact that they haven't played in a while. Mate, 
it, they need they need to work on their defensive organization a bit more. And knowing Kim and Kim's work at Ulsan Hyundai, I think he's going to really restructure the defense and ensure that it's sort of impregnable, or rather, you know, it's invincible in that sense. So yeah. Just the. Just to supply my end for this discussion. Yes. Sir. Um, first, I, I did want to agree with your point about the clean sheets thing. Because, mm. I mean, looking at the stats, Albrecht's have only conceded three less goals than Lion City Sailors. But I do think there is validity to the idea that, on paper, two defenses being similarly good statistically doesn't always pan out to the reality of two defenses being as good. Because, mm. at least from what I've seen of Albrecht's, they, that is a back four that gives you a lot more comfort and confidence in them that if they're tested they're likely going to you know come through the other end of that test on skate whereas sailors you get worried when teams attack them yeah even yeah. though that they're individually very talented they have a very good goalkeeper it, it gives yeah. you a, li- a little bit more nerves when they get attacked and i definitely think that is a a sensation an idea that is very applicable to every level of football that just because statistically teams don't concede as many goals. I mean, there's probably, I don't think there's probably a site that has the advanced metrics for the Singapore Premier League, but you could probably look at like chances created against per 90 minutes of these two teams or mm. like they're the expected goals against both of these teams. And I think you're going to get a lot more different of a story than what simply goals against and clean sheets are going to tell you. No, for sure. And you make a really good point. I think one other thing that, you know, um, I guess is worth mentioning is the fact that maybe just maybe right what kim needs to figure out is trying to sort of uh, find a way to bring the best out of harris arun because no offense to harris i don't think he was as influential as he was well at least in the second, first half you know in the first half he wasn't as he was barely making any impact and i think maybe that's because he you know maybe needed a, another central midfield option or you know because i think he was deployed as a defensive midfielder and you know in front of him he didn't really have i mean he had adam swandy and he had uh glenn ong in that sort of midfield trio in that sense but mate i think the sailors really need uh either cyclogba or shadam Sulaiman, especially shadam Sulaiman. shadam Sulaiman is their go-to set piece taker and you know i i'm not gonna lie uh, most of the set pieces that the sailors took that came all right were not good except Hafiz Noor I know Hafiz Noor managed to pull uh, to, to force a diving save from Koga but you know Sharan Sulaiman really is uh, key even though he's 33 years old alright he's old I'm not gonna lie I'm sorry Sharan if you're hearing this I'm sorry okay <laughs> alright you're old he's, he's gonna like, beat you still... up next time he sees nah, you nah yeah man he's gonna be like calling, who are you calling old man and I'm like nah, nah I'm here bro I'm, I'm joking I'm joking no but even though he's old he's still very influential and he's still a key key member of the Taylor squad Here's the problem with under twenty three ruling, and if Kim wants to prioritize Harris, which you know most people might do, that Shadan might not be playing in the squad. It's a fact, and I think people need to realize that because this is the thing with the under twenty three rule in Singapore. People often select a few positions in which they want to sacrifice or sort of put their under twenty three players inside, and then build the rest of the team. It seems like you know central midfield would be one of those positions. You know, Saifullah Akbar usually plays as a winger, but you know lately he, at least this season under Vitma and 
uh, I guess Robin, he's played more of a central role in, in, in the middle of the park. And I, for all you know, there's a good chance he might continue doing that. Nur Adam plays as a left back. Um, and, uh, I'm talking about Saifullah but once he comes back from his suspension, which is the, the, the following game. Uh, Nur Adam is their left back and they usually play Heiko Pasha as a left winger. You know, it's these three positions that are sort of cemented. You know, under 23 boys are playing either as their left back, your centre mid, central attacking mid, maybe, not really because of Diego, but and your left winger. So you have these three positions that are sort of you know fixed. I need to play around those, right? So do you sacrifice um Harris for Shadan, or do you play Shadan instead of Harris? You know, it, it might boil down to a question of either playing one of them, even if they play two of them, who else do you sacrifice? You know, do you play another winger? I don't think Kim is going to sacrifice his defense because he wants to ensure that, you know, that he has experienced players at the back who can handle the situations that are being thrown at them well. And putting a under 23 player, under 23 year old, might not be the best move forward. See, and this is the problem I think that not people, not many people are realizing. As much as I love to see Shadan in that team, you know, I think the under twenty three role is going to rob him of a place. If not, are you going to bench Harris Harun, our national team skipper, arguably Singapore's best, you know, football player of this century? I, I dare say that. I dare say that. Right? Okay, I'm putting it out there. Right? Anyone wants to challenge me, come challenge me. But I think Harris Harun is one of our best players this century. He's probably the best player, you know, of this century thus far. But yeah, it's 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 a real issue. I mean, I I don't see any other leagues. I mean. There's some Asian leagues and I guess now that the new New Zealand league that's up and running, they have an under-20 rule or under-22 rule. I know the K-League has an under-22 rule where I think one or two players have to be, uh, you know, uh, have to be under-22 in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, I guess that didn't really need much explanations in the freaking name. But my point is, uh, it's, it's really robbing the ability for teams to put on their best lineup possible. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Shadan Suleiman, Haris Harun, you know, in, in the middle of the park? You know, I would pay to see that. Just saying. I, I would really pay to see that. You really are a Plastic Sailors fan, huh? I'm not a Plastic Sailors fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I grew up a Warriors fan. The fact that I don't have a team right now, it's a uh, bad. So I have two questions to sort of like lead discussion around this game. One about Albrecht, one about Sailors. Which one Go do you for want it. first? Which Go one for Albrecht first? Go for the Albrecht one. All right. So I don't remember which podcast episode it was. I think it was around the time you were talking about your preview for the second half of the season. I asked you, do you think Albrecht are going to be able to Atletico Madrid themselves to the title, knowing this who boys out? I ask you the same question now. Do you think Albrecht can Atletico Madrid their way to the title? You know, strangely enough, I think they actually have it in them to do it. And that's a scary thing because um, rumors have it that Suboy... Okay, here's the thing. Apparently, Suboy might be coming back earlier than expected. I thought he's going to be out till the rest of the season. But now that the season sort of extended until October, <laughs> you might be seeing him make a return, apparently, because he's back to sort of... Re- he's, I think he's rehabilitating his, his... He's sort of like trying to nurse his injury, but he's sort of... Uh, slowly making his way back to full fitness so there might be a chance you might see him to just before the end of the season if he does come back you know and he's coming back at a crucial period don't get me wrong because i think albrecht's have it in them to see out games and this is one thing that's plaguing the singapore premier league majority of players in singapore right whether they want to hear it or not 
are not fit enough for to last the entire 90 minutes. This is uh, this is a problem that we need to address. The Japanese players are fit enough to last the entire 90 minutes. You know, they don't look gassed, you know, at the 75th minute mark. They don't look gassed at the 80th minute mark, you know. And as a unit, Elbrex are very tight. Right now, they have maybe one or two players that are sort of like um, like really major players in a sense. Well, what I'm trying to say is that they, they have that star quality around them. You know, players like Tanikuchi, players like, um, I guess, Kondo to a certain extent. But the bulk of them are just very, very technically gifted. And they operate very well together. Alright, without Suboy, I think they can really you know grind out those 1-0 wins those 2-0 wins those 2-1 wins if need be could they have won against Sailors? I don't think so because of Hassan Sani you need to see the the highlights for that game if you haven't checked Hassan was yo this was the Hassan we need <laughs> you know that Sailors need alright that Singapore needs okay going to the AFF Suzuki Cup should it continue given the pandemic but if the AFF Suzuki Cup right does continue Hassan Sani should be our starting keeper. And I guess I will sort of touch on why because, you know, one of our other national team keepers is one Mabut who sort of returned from Thailand. He didn't have the best of starts against Tanjung Paka. I'll get to that in a bit, but I want to hear what do you have to say about Sailors. So my question about Sailors was, I guess it's sort of a, vague, a more vague question saying like, yeah. is this a good point for them given this is their first game with a new manager, given this is a game with an experimental lineup. The fact that they're starting out against the best team in the league and they're able to get a point, is that something to be very optimistic about? Or do you still have a lot of questions, even in the short term or even in the long term, about Sailors under Coach Cam? If, all right, the thing is, right, if players like Song Yong players like Sharon Suleiman, players like Saiful Akbar, and it sort of return to the fray. If he starts Diego Lopez, if he starts Gabriel Quick, maybe. But this is another issue. All these players that I just mentioned have been playing, have been in the starting lineup for the Sailors for, well, they're basically your go-to starting lineup players. <laughs> the problem with the Sailors is that, I've, I've mentioned this before, they don't rotate. The fact that Kim is willing to change things up, you know, rotate the squad and experiment a bit. It's good. It's giving a lot of the fringe players whom I reiterate, you know, are quality players in any other side, right? A chance to shine and show what they have to fight for their place. And I think that's one thing that's not, that's sort of been robbed from them this season. You know, I, I really do think that Kim is giving people a chance to show what they have. And that's to a sales benefit. Because the ability to have more players, you know, at your disposal, readily at your disposal, you know, because one thing through experimentation, you're building up your match fitness. I mean, I, I know for a fact that they played a bunch of friendly matches before this, but playing a friendly match and playing a competitive game are two different sort of scenarios. I mean, take for example, Manchester United against uh, QPR, we got slept for two. Uh, but is that going to matter in the long run? No, it's, it's building up match fitness, it's building up, you know, that sort of to get a confidence booster in terms of playing regularly, 
But when you're playing competitively, right, it's a different ballgame entirely and it requires a different mentality. I really do think that a couple of these players, players like Swandi, players like Akari Abdullah, have gone rusty because they haven't played a lot of minutes. So the ability to sort of feel them and show them that, hey, I trust you, go out there. It gives them a sense of confidence, it gives them that experience to, to go forward. So I, I, and I, I do think that, you know, moving forward, it, this draw is a positive, you know, for sure. But the game itself symbolizes a lot of different uh, narratives that are important to address. So I think it's a good, it's a good first start for, for Kim and I do hope the sailors win the title because we need a Singaporean side, man. <laughs> we, need, okay, we don't need Swansea City winning the EPL, all right? No one's going to fly with that. <laughs> no one's going to fly with that, right? So, yeah. I guess there's your final leading question. Will Sailors win the league? It's still technically in their hands. It is still in their hands. And I guess this is a good segue to, um, you know... To, to, the, to the next game that I'm going to talk about, which was Haugang United against Tanjong Paga. So, Haugang United are another... You're really just not going to answer the question. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you have to understand... <laughs> no, no. If I, if I answer that question, right? All right? If I answer that question, right? The Haugang game... I'm building that up, man. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that at the end, all right? After I go through all the other games. All right? Okay, I, I, can't, I can't let people... You know, fair stop enough, halfway. Fair enough, you know, fair enough, stop fair listening enough. to the podcast halfway and stuff. You know, I need need to do the hype. This is we're, we're multiple hours into this, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Um, Tanjung Baga versus Kaogang United, right? Okay, and you sort of get an uh, inkling to as to why I think Sailors uh, may probably win the title. So you sure? Okay, there you go. Right, I've answered the question. All right. <laughs> Haugang United against Tanjung Paga was supposed to be a breeze for Haugang United on paper. Tanjung Paga are a team that have had some positives. You know, they were drawing, I think they drew their last three matches or, uh, you know, they were, they, they had their first win of uh, the season. Actually, their first win in uh, two years or eight years rather. You know, they, they sort of reformed back as a club last season. They, you know, joined the SPL last season and they didn't win a single game. They won their first game. Um, earlier this season against Young Lions, you know, they had three draws. And then, against Haugang United, they managed to win again. And it's not a 1-0, 2-0 win. It was a resounding 4-1 victory against, you know, arguably one of the best sides in the Singapore Premier League. Granted, there's only eight teams, but, you know, Haugang United have been really good this season. Um, did not expect them to be doing as well as they are. And for Tanjung Paga to pull a 4-1 win against them, that's incredible. You know, I've, I've talked at length, you know, how I admire Haugang. Third, not all those goals were his fault, but, man, I really did think that he was going to be Haugang's saviour. Uh, because they don't have, you know, uh, that's one position that they sort of lacked, you know, like some sort of star name or player bit, you know, a high quality caliber. Don't get me wrong, I think we run Barudin and uh, Mukundan Marin are phenomenal goalkeepers. But this one, Mabut is... He is a national team cat player, you know. Mukundan Marin and Rugan Barudin are not. You know, that's, this, we're talking about completely different tier of a player. So for him to let in four goals, it was very disappointing. I think for him as well. He wasn't really helped by his defence, which was a shame because Final Tan has been pretty good um, this season. Did he have a good game? He had a decent game, but... I don't know, something was off with Haugang 
that uh, against uh, Tanjung Pagar, man. Maybe Tanjung Pagar was simply the better team. Wow, um, Shodai Nishikawa, Ryo Nishikuchi, that left wing, you know, was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, granted, I think they play a 3-5-2 system as opposed to a 3-4-3, but Shodai and Ryo were linking up really well and Ryo that day, oh, Ryo, what a player, man. Like, Ryo Nishikuchi doesn't get the attention he deserves, I think, at times. He is really a phenomenal player. Had he been playing for another team in the Singapore Premier League, he would have been getting the attention. But because he's playing for Tanjung Paga United, whom everybody thinks are uh, the league's, or rather is the league's whipping boys, I I, I mean, he, he he's been phenomenal this season. All things considered. And yesterday, he put on a class act. His final goal, you know, it was a finesse shot that came off the woodwork. It was, it was a beauty to watch, you know, and like, I was messaging my friends and we were all discussing like, what the hell has happened at Tanjung Paga? You know, is this the rebirth? Are they finally on the right track? Defensively as well, you know, they were pretty, pretty good. Not gonna lie. If it wasn't for, uh, you know, Tomoyuki Doi's excellent free kick, you know, Tomitsuki Doi, who's the leading top scorer right now, so he sort of brings his tally to 15 in 12 games. If it wasn't for his excellent free kick, I really do think that Tanjo Paga would have gone that game with a clean sheet. They would have won that game with a clean sheet because Doi wasn't having any luck at goal. He hit the woodwork twice. Um, no one else really offered like that threat. Shawal Anwar was sort of silenced by the Tanjo Paga defense. And sadly, Draki Adnan was... Uh, Draki Adnan is a youth player that I, I rate highly. He was sort of stretched off or well. he limped off, hobbled off the pitch uh, in the first half. And maybe if he had you know, been fit and had stayed on, he would have been a difference maker because he has been phenomenal for uh, Haugang United this season. So to sort of answer your question, Jeff, Haugang United sort of uh, wasted uh, opportunity to be sort of, uh, you know, Close well, not say well. They could have bridged that gap with the top two teams, and they they sort of wasted a critical opportunity to do so. The chance is still there, but with only nine games left till the end of the season, and given the quality that Sailors and Alberex possess, every single game is important. You have to win every single game. I think it's it's going to come down. It's going to boil down to the wire, and if teams don't take the opportunity and to, to, to score that winning goal to sort of grind out that win those wins rather you know it's either going to be Sailors or Brex and I think it's going to be Sailors I really do think it's going to be Sailors maybe that's my bias as a Singaporean wanting a Singaporean team to win as opposed to you know being not say objective but you know sort of trying to look at it from both sides but I don't I don't see Elbrex winning the league I, I really don't they could personally maybe I don't want them to win so maybe let, let me rephrase it like that <laughs> let me rephrase it in that way so yeah so so Haugang Tanjung Paga 4-1 what a game bro Tanjung Paga winning away as well and similar to the last game I had two questions these were both about Haugang but you Go sort of answered one of them so the first one was basically how much are Haugang slapping themselves now for such an incredible opportunity that they missed. They could have been two points off the top. They're now five points off the top. Yeah. Which you basically covered. 
And the second one is dependent on my understanding of this league, knowing that I believe the second highest rated Singaporean team gets the AFC Cup spot. Is that correct? Yes, correct. They're so now it's only the... two points ahead of Tampanese Rovers. Is Haogang's race now looking out for what's below them rather than looking up to what's above them? All right. So here's the thing, right? The thing of, so you're right. On a normal season, where the second best team uh, gets the AFC Cup. But because the Singapore Cup is cancelled and the winner of the Singapore Cup automatically, I mean, the winner of the Singapore Cup also gets a group stage spot in the AFC Cup. But since the Singapore Cup is cancelled, Tampanese and Haogang are effectively secured. <laughs> they are both. Oh, so there's two. Exactly. So that's okay. the reason why I was trying yeah, to stop you because I was like, <laughs> they don't care, bro. No one cares. All right. If, if you don't win the league, I'm still going to qualify for the AFC Cup. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I don't think no one cares. I'm, I'm, I don't think. Uh, people don't care. It's more so like, what are you actually playing for? Yeah, the race between <laughs> third and fourth is just for bragging rights and maybe a slightly higher seed in the AFC Cup as compared to being yeah. in continental competition versus not being in continental competition. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But okay, precisely. To, reword that, to reword that question in a way that still makes it relevant, what do you think is more likely, Haogang finishing in the top two or Haogang finishing fourth? Probably, yo, I don't know, man. I, I, I think Gavin is probably a better tactician. I think Tampanese might finish higher than Haogang. I'm, I'm not going to say that they finished third. I'm just going to say they finish higher than Haogang. Make that what you mean, all right? Okay, make that what you go, rather. And so then I, I guess, think, mm -hmm. sort of as a final point, does this make Haogang less of a title chaser and more of a kingmaker? In that they might, they may not be the team that hoists the title at the end of the season, but are they the team that ha that's going to have the most say over who hoists the title at the end of the season? Given that they still, correct me if I'm wrong in the statement, but they still have, have to play both Albrex and Sailors twice. Oh yeah, I think they do have to play Alberts and Sailor twice. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. Uh, but they're, they're the Sevilla in this sense. Yeah, they are the Sevilla in this sense. Actually, how do you put it? Um, probably Algang isn't an easy team to face against. That's for sure. On their day, okay. Here's the thing: Lions of Asia made this meet, and uh, it's very apt. You know, against the top four teams or top three teams, uh, besides themselves, so Tampines. Sailors and Albrechts. Haogang are pretty good. But when it comes to the bottom four teams, right? They slip up. <laughs> oh, they so really, severe. It's exactly like It's really severe. severe. <laughs> it's exactly like severe. So like, this you know, is like, severe. This is severe. You know, Singapore's severe, man. So, if they can sort that out, if they can have consistency, you know, throughout all their matches, maybe, you know, well, I mean, that's besides the point. The point is, they probably will pose a challenge to Albrechts and Taylors and Tampanese. It's about how much of a challenge they will pose. I think they can be quite... They are a tricky team to face against. They, that's, I mean, they, they really are. If you're a top-tier team, they're going to go all out. You know, I think that's the kind of mentality they have. Yeah, you're right, man. They're severe. What the hell? That's so apt. <laughs> that's, that's really apt. Yeah, that's really apt. But yeah, yeah, it seems that if this title race is the La Liga title race, then Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid are Sailors and Albarex. And 
Sevilla is how going being the third best team in the league, and Barcelona is, is um, not Tangshan Tampanese. I do think that uh, one player that's going to be influential for them, even though he let in four goals, granted it's not his fault for all four, this is one Mahmoud, because I think one thing that people need to remember is that he hasn't played a single game besides uh, the World Cup qualifiers this year. Competitive game. You know, he was he didn't play much in Thailand this season. Or he didn't play a single game this season, if I'm not mistaken. So he didn't have many minutes under his belt. So he's sort of helping him find his form again. How long uh, how long the team for him to find his form? Probably, I guess. You know, he is Don't get me wrong, you know, like Iswan Mabu is a good keeper. It's just that I think he needs to find a good sense of rhythm again. So yeah. And if you have no other questions, uh, let me quickly touch on the last game of uh, this past weekend. Do you have any questions? I do not. Okay, cool. So we have Blastia against Geelong. Alright, Geelong at home, Blastia away. Honestly, I had my money on Blastia. I wasn't, I mean, that's, you know, metaphorically speaking, I don't bet anymore. Um, <laughs> Alright, I learned my lesson already. All right. um, In theory, you don't bet anymore. <laughs> In theory, I don't bet anymore. Alright, um, metaphorically speaking, I did have my money on uh, uh, Balestia winning the game because Geelong were in shambles first half of the season. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. They were bad, they were in disarray, they were dis- there, there was no sense of organisation. Then you had that whole incident with uh, Kidir Kamis coming out on uh, the final whistle to sort of uh, talk smack about, you know, Nora Lee. <laughs> and you know, saying how um, there was you know some some sense of uh, uh, you know like there, there wasn't any like spot how many people were just turning up for training for the sake of it. Uh, it wasn't a pretty picture. Let's just put things like that, all right? It wasn't a pretty picture in Geelong. And then out of nowhere, they they, they won the game three one. Three players in particular, or well, four players in particular, stood out for me. One of them was Moresh who's showing why he is a really, really, really talented prospect that's, that I don't know how he's playing in Singapore, man. He's, man he's, he played a bit in uh, the Brazilian top flight. Right? He's 22 years old. He's in Geelang International. Right? Man is whizzing about, all right, trying to uh, dupe defenders, and he does that a lot. The number of nutmegs he did that game was insane. And, you know, he's caught... Scott one, assisted one, brings his total tally for this season to nine goals. Amy Racker was phenomenal, scored two goals. Barry Maguire made two assists. And these three players, I do believe, right, are <laughs> going to be instrumental for Geelong going forward. But there's one other player. Remember I mentioned four instead of three names, and that's Danny Kim. I think Danny Kim actually brings some sort of defensive stability to the team. Uh, for those of you unaware, Danny Kim is a new signing for Geelong. Uh, he recently signed from... He was a free agent, but he was uh, was playing in the A-League uh, previously before this. Um, he's a bit part player. I think he was injured because of that. He didn't play a lot of minutes in the A-League, but now he's in um, Geelong International and he's playing as a central defensive midfielder, which is really allowing Barry Maguire to, you know, maximize his ability as a central attacking midfielder. He doesn't really have to 
drop back in defense as much as he used to. You know, he can de- rely on someone like that. He can making you know sweeping up those uh, tackles. Pro and the thing about Danny Kim as well is that he's able to, uh, you know, pump really accurate balls out from the back. You know, he's able to make those over-the-top true balls. You know, from his defensive midfield position, and that that really helps. You know, kickstart attacks. That really helps to change the pace of the game. But yeah, you know, these four players: Maresh, um, Amy Reka, Barry Maguire, and Danny Kim. Going forward, these four players are going to be instrumental for Gaon. And to touch on Celestia really slightly, Simi Zuzu scored. <laughs> I mean, man pounced on Yuki uh, Ichikawa the moment Yuki sort of made a mistake and he scored a goal out of nothing. All right, if you guys haven't seen the highlight, you guys need to see that highlight. <laughs> you need to see the highlight between Gelang and Blastia because I think Simi Zuzu scored really early on in the game and I thought, ah, well, you know what, Blastia going to win it. Because Balestia are Stoke City. They are Singapore Stoke City. They score a goal and then they shut up shop. Alright, they are very frustrating to play against. But somehow, alright, the way to unlock Balestia's, you know, defense apparently is a uh, top flight Brazilian uh, 22-year-old <laughs> who's able to nut back his opposition, so able to dazzle with his skills. You know, honestly, what a player. Um, Geelong are really fortunate to have him and in Silvano's absence you know I think that's a major talking point that needs to be addressed Silvano Comabellius left for uh, left in the mid-season transfer window instead of buying another forward they bought Danny Kim which you know on hindsight I think it might be a decent buy because clearly you have Moresh and Amy Racker who can convert the goals up front and you know in on a supplementary you have Faris Fahan and who if given enough minutes can score goals it's just that he isn't given enough minutes and I really do think that moving forward maybe it's going to be interesting to see the bottom half of the table let's be honest none of these teams have a realistic uh, chance right? realistic chance of actually qualifying for a continental competition I, I don't think so it is possible for them to, you know, make the best of what they have left and, you know, build up some sort of foundation for the remainder of the season and go again the next campaign. So, yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, things pan out with Geelong uh, International as well. I think just to offer a slight correction here when he called Muresh a top flight Brazilian player. He played three times, I know, all right? Okay. He played a grand total it. of six games for Vasco da Gama in he mo- I the was top smoking. flight of Brazilian football. He did not score was, a goal or record an assist. I was smoking it, all right? I was really He got sent it. off once. Hey! Men's so you recorded a statistic, just not the statistic you wanted to record. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't realize that he was sent off. I wonder why he was sent off. But hey, Moresh, goodbye. Goodbye. Definitely goodbye. Um, only 23, too. Yeah, only 23, man. If, if he stays for another five years, which I don't think he will, and I don't think he should, they definitely should naturalize the bugger. Not the best That's... Good. You're sort of hinting at it. This The one fundamental question that I have about this match is, does this do anything to sway your fears about the fundamental 
structural issues that are going on at Galang. Because essentially, what it seems sort of to me from the 50,000 foot view is that Galang is sort of playing to give them momentum for next season because they're just not going to do anything this season. So, yeah, you're right. does this alleviate at least a little bit of the concerns of the very genuine structural issues that appear to be plaguing this team? Yes and no. Well, yes, because um, they've done, they clearly bought smart transfers or they, they've made smart decisions in the mid-season transfer window. They brought in Afik Yunus, they brought in Abil Kayim, and they brought in uh, um, this uh, bugger called Ashraf from, uh, who just finished his national service. You know, um, interestingly enough, right, I think they realize what's the issue. The issue is they need to work on their defense. Yuki Ichikawa, Ichikawa is a decent player, but he was he's no longer the player of all. You know, he's what, 34 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He needs there needs to be some sort of revamp <laughs> in that um Geelong defense. And they sort of address that with Abdil and uh, Afik Yunos's uh, captures, you know, by capturing with these two players, they sort of realize that there is a problem in defense and they're addressing it. Are these the players to bring them forward in the next five years? Of course not. You know, Afik Yunos is 30, Abdil is 34. <laughs> you know, they are short term fixes. Maybe, you know, Afik for the next two, three years, probably, you know. But I don't think Abdil is going to play until he's 39. You know, I'm, I'm being very realistic here, you know. But they at least identifying issues that they have. They don't have depth in defense. They're solving that in the short term. In the long run, they need to work on that. And they, I guess they sort of are. Danny Kim's acquisition is interesting because if they keep hold on to Moresh next season, Barry Maguire and Danny Kim, I really do think Geelong have, you know, a good chance of you know, finishing top three, top four even. You know, if, if that game was to be any sort of indication of what they are capable of. Because I was impressed by Gaylord. Yeah, they were pretty good. Not gonna lie. And I don't, I haven't said... Let's put things in perspective here, alright? I, I haven't said, had anything good to say about Gaylord this season. Except for Amy Rekha and Moresh. That's it. <laughs> and maybe Elijah, because I, I wrote an article on Elijah then. But besides that, you know, I haven't had much good things to say on Geelong this season. But they li- really look very promising against Palestia. Now, if they play against Sailors, would they uh, lose 8 0 again? I don't think so. But I don't think they have enough firepower to win a club like Sailors. I don't think they have enough firepower to win a club like Albrex. I hope they prove me wrong. I, I really hope they prove me wrong. But I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's the one overarching point that I wanted to ask about Gaylong. That sort of seems to be the story of the second half of their season. Can they sort of string enough good things together to go into the, into next season to be the team that's going to challenge the top four? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess, and that sort of rounds up our Singapore Premier League uh, discussion of sorts. Uh, next week, we'll have... Mm, well, if I'm not mistaken... On the 4th of August, you have Tampanese against Lion City Sailors. So that's going to be a big one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty big. It is pretty big, all things considered. So it'll be interesting to see uh, 
you know, Singapore's brightest coaching prospect, Gavin Lee, against AFC Champions League winner, Kim Do-un. Well, the battle of the the four the four potentially five games that could likely happen between now and the next time we record a podcast. This coming Friday, Hao Gang's playing Alberex. That's Saturday, Bowser Kelso, Young Lions. Sunday, Tom Trump, Magar, and Galing International. Wednesday, Tampines Rivers, Lions, City Sailors. The next Friday, Alberex and Tom Trump, Magar. We'll probably end up recording before that last Friday game, but there's potential that, you know, all these games are going to happen between now and the next time we record. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. And, you know, for all you know, there is a good chance that um, there might be someone else on this podcast. There's supposed to be someone else on this podcast this week, but unfortunately, due to uh, family issues or rather like emergency issues, uh, we couldn't have someone on board. Probably have that person on board next week when we talk more in detail with regards to um, the Singapore Premier League. That's right. <laughs>